Hello, my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. And I'm back at you with some truth and some light. And I hope this day finds you well and your life flowing in the direction that you are meant for it to go. And you and yours find peace this day. Sadly, we had another one down in Memphis, and you know what another one means another killing of a black man. But this time, this time, it was by our own hands. That just goes to show you how corrupt power can be. Because if the truth be told, if we aren't helping each other build and grow, then we're just wasting each other's damn time. And what I am amazed at is how fast these brothers was fired and charged. Usually if it's white folks doing the killing, they have a committee to study the whole thing. And usually the perpetrators are relieved of duty with pay, but not this time. And I'm not saying that they should not be fired and charged. But I'm asking you, do you see the difference? Me, myself, I'm just going to sit back and watch and see what happens because there has got to be more to this story than just a mere traffic stop. And rumors are flying off the shelf as I speak. But one thing is for sure, when injustice becomes law, rebellion becomes our duty. So my friends, let's slip into darkness and talk about another murder. The murder of Betty Gardner. Now, as far as I can tell, my friends, this is how the story goes. Betty Gardner was a 33-year-old black woman that was sexually assaulted, tortured, and murdered during a racially motivated hate crime in St. Helena Island, South Carolina. And she had been picked up by four white people while she was hitchhiking. And the four people were cousins John Arnold and John Platt and their girlfriends, Cindy Sheets and Carol Ullman. Now, Betty Jean Gardner was an average black woman and she was from Frogmore, South Carolina and was a single mother of two. And just so happens she worked as a farm worker who picked tomatoes on her father's farm in St. Helena Island. Now, John Butch Arnold and John Herman Platt were first cousins from York, Pennsylvania. And they were thugs, criminals with long rap sheets. Arnold had been arrested 19 times, while Platt had been arrested 11 times. Arnold for assault burglary, false imprisonment, and parole violation, and Platt, who was no better, had been arrested for attempted robbery, auto theft, harassment by communications, receiving stolen property, and theft. And on top of all that, both men had been involved in unrelated shootings in separate cases, which they were both charged, but the charges were later dropped. 
And this dude, Arnold, was accused of shooting his former girlfriend with a rifle. But the charges were dropped when she refused to testify against him. And in 1973, Platt was charged with the fatal shooting of his friend, an 18-year-old by the name of Frank Hutzart. He was charged with involuntary manslaughter. However, the charges were dismissed because of due to lack of evidence. But to get back to Gardner, Gardner had been hitchhiking near Buford, South Carolina, and was heading back to St. Helena Island to work on her father's farm. And as she waited, a green Pontiac with South Carolina tags was stopped by the side of the road. And lo and behold, inside the car was John Arnold. Now get this, my friends, with his 11-year-old runaway girlfriend, Carol Ullman. John Platt had been in the car with his 17-year-old girlfriend, Cindy Sheets, and two mangy-ass dogs. The group had been headed toward the beach and had been staying with the United States Marine and his wife. The vehicle they were driving had belonged to them. And unfortunately for her, Gardner accepted their offer for a ride, got in the car, and took off with them. Now, she didn't know and probably didn't care that Arnold was on the run and was wanted on escape charges for failing to return from a weekend furlough on a pre-release facility at State Correctional Institution, Huntington, in Pennsylvania. So she rode with them, and a short time later, she was dropped off. And after she got out of the vehicle, Arnold suggested to the group that they kill her. And when someone said, why? He simply said, because I hate niggers. And they returned to Gardner and picked her up again offering to drop her off nearer where she was headed to. But no sooner than she got in the car, Sheets began attacking her and struck her repeatedly with her fists. Then they took her to a remote area in some woods in St. Helena Island, where she was ordered to strip naked. Arnold then told Garner that she would not be going anywhere. And then Arnold and Platt both repeatedly attacked her, threatening to kill her if she refused to comply with their demands. She was forced to engage in oral sex with Arnold Platt and Sheets, and later was whipped repeatedly with a belt, which was then wrapped around her neck. Arnold and Platt tried strangling her to death with the belt as she was dragged along the ground. Platt stomped on her neck several times and stabbed her repeatedly in the chest with a pocket knife. Platt then ordered Sheets to cut Garner's throat with a broken soda bottle. When that failed, Arnold strangled Garner some more before she eventually died, being treated worse than a dog. And then Arnold, the one I guess you could call the brains of the group, carved the letters KKK into Garner's body supposedly to mislead investigators. They urinated and defecated on her corpse. And after they left the area, the group split up. Arnold and Owen remained in Buford, while Platt and Sheets returned to the native city of York, Pennsylvania. And when Garner didn't show up for work, her family filed a missing persons report. The last person to see her alive was her brother, 
who had seen her get into a green Pontiac near his home when she was hitchhiking, and Garner's sister was left to raise her two children. And they had no leads or evidence on this case for over a month, until one detective from Beaufort County Sheriff's Office spotted the Pontiac by chance, and the owners of the car, the United States Marine and his wife, told the detective that Arnold and Platt had borrowed the car. Arnold and Platt were then quickly arrested in Beaufort. Platt and Sheets were captured back in York by police, who caught Platt hiding under the porch of his mother's house. Lawyers for Sheets offered her immunity in exchange for testifying against Arnold and Platt. And when she was returned to Beaufort, she led the police to Garner's decomposed body, which was 11 weeks after she was murdered, and they had to use dental records to confirm who she was. Arnold and Platt went to Beaufort County Jail, where they raised all kind of hell. They attempted to escape twice and constructed a fake gun. And as a result, the sheriff personally asked the governor to move both inmates to a state penitentiary in Columbia, while they still preached their innocence to anyone that would listen. In February 1979, Arnold and Platt were tried for the murder of Gardner in Beaufort County. State prosecutors announced that they intended to seek the death penalty against both Arnold and Platt. The well-known prosecutor called the case the most terrible, inhuman, degrading, and nauseating case he had ever seen. Sheets and Ullman testified against them. With the stories about the event of the crime being almost identical, Sheets claiming that Arnold did not like black people and the murder became a racially motivated crime. Ullman testified that it was Arnold who initiated the attack because he did not like black people. And a forensic pathologist determined the cause of the death was stabbing and a blow to the head. And because the body was so decomposed at the time that it was discovered, further conclusions could not be established and the strangulation could not be ruled out as a possible cause of death. And on February the 5th, the jury consisted of six men and six women, two of whom were black, found both men guilty of the murder. And on February the 9th, they were sentenced to death. Arnold reacted to the sentence without any emotion. And remember his 11-year-old girlfriend? Arnold was also charged with the statutory rape of Ullman. And he began first of two hunger strikes in an attempt to speed up his execution. He wrote a letter to South Carolina Supreme Court asking to drop all of his appeals. Both men continued to proclaim their innocence in the crime and argued that Sheets was the actual killer. But she was released one month after the sentencing of Arnold and Platt, and then she returned to York. Ullman was never charged in her role in the crime. On March 6, 1998, Arnold was executed by lethal injection at Broad River Correctional Institute in Columbia. He was pronounced dead at 6.15 p.m. He proclaimed his innocence to the very end 
and issued a final statement saying, the judicial system has had my neck under its heel. I leave this world with my identity fully intact, my dignity untouched, my spirit sound and whole. On July the 10th, 1998, Platt was also executed by lethal injection at the Broad River Correctional Institute. He was pronounced dead at 6.22 p.m. In his final handwritten statement, he denied killing Gardner. Platt became a Christian while in prison and quoted Bible verses in the execution chamber. While on death row, Platt was adopted by a 70-year-old woman. He also received a religious letter from convicted murderer and Manson family member Tex Watson. Now, after Platt's execution, the Gardner family released a statement saying this murder has left a void in our lives that will never fill. Now, with the death of Betty's murderers, we can continue to move forward. Words stated by so many of our families. The execution of Arnold and Platt marked a rare occasion of white defendants being executed for murdering a black victim. Since the reinstatement of the death penalty in the United States in 1976, only 21 white people have been executed for murdering black victims, less than 1.4% of all executions. But at the time of Arnold's execution, 113 black defendants had been executed for murdering a white victim, compared to just six white people executed for murdering a black victim. After Arnold's execution, the executive director of the American Civil Liberties Union for South Carolina, Steve Bates, commented on the disparity in executions by the race of defendants and victims, as well as his belief in racism in the judicial system, critical race theory. Bates stated that Arnold's execution was one exception to the rule. So there you have it, my friends. The death of Betty Jean Gardner. A little unknown but someone that was loved anyway, that had no reason to be killed for little of nothing. A mother, a daughter, a sister, gone in a flash. Just like the man from Memphis, only 80 yards from his mother's house. Well, it's that time, my friends. But before I go, I got a message for you from one great baseball player by the name of Jackie Robinson. And Jackie said, a life is not important except in the impact it has in other lives. Now that is profound. And here is one from me. Until we change our way of thinking, we will always recycle our experiences. And I know you get that. Have a great day, my friends. Until next time, it's been my honor.